0: Remember The Greatest Showman? That 2017 Hugh Jackman passion project that made about 435 million US dollars at the box office and is a pretty good depiction of how Barnum & Bailey's Circus first got started, right? Right? Hello! Welcome to a new thing that may or may not be called A Sibling Rambles. This idea came to me the night after watching The Greatest Showman while I was in bed. So, logically, I got out of bed, went across the room to my desk, and wrote this idea down on a notepad I have there. This particular episode was brought about in part by the Council of Geeks YouTube channel, which is run by Nathaniel Wayne, who, ten months ago, made a video entitled The Hazard of Modern Myth-Making which uses The Greatest Showman to examine the issues with making real, flawed people into idolized heroes. Now I'm not going to go through the issues with that whole thing, and I'm just going to go through the plot points of The Greatest Showman and some of the character points of Barnum himself and compare them to what really happened, and probably, inevitably, because I am human, force some of my own opinions on you. Let's start at the very beginning of the film, which focuses on Barnum's childhood. So, for most of the big points, the movie actually gets the main things pretty accurate. Barnum's father died when he was 15 and left the family deep in debt. However, the film completely leaves out Barnum's mother and sisters. It also, perhaps understandably, does not mention that he was a clerk for and gave speeches on Christian universalism, which is interesting to me, if only because I am a Unitarian Universalist, which is a combination of Universalism and Unitarianism. Also, Barnum's father is presented in the film as a sort of tailor person who works for the rich people, but is sort of treated like <laughs> by his clients. In reality, he was a store owner, a place at which young Barnum worked for a time. Barnum was really childhood friends with Charity Hollett, although... Obviously, the specific events pictured in the film are more than likely fictional for dramatic effect. This includes the breaking in the song and running for the gardens. But, I mean, so far the film's doing pretty well. It's hitting most of the major plot points, and it's sort of changing the details to make its story work better, which is fine. Let's keep going for the movie and see if that holds up. After his father died, Barnum worked odd jobs to pay the bills, and eventually worked his way into entrepreneurship. With the earliest recorded example I could find is him, at the age of 25, renting the right to display a very old African-American slave woman named Joyce Heff, who he claimed was 161 years old and had been a nurse to George Washington. She was, in reality, 80. During this period in Barnum's life, he tried various business ventures, including managing a lottery store, being a shopkeeper, and running a newspaper. The first two were fairly successful right up until Connecticut banned the lottery. The third was a very controversial newspaper with a focus on religious oppression and militant Calvinism, which led to multiple libel suits and about two months in jail. After all of these failed, Barnum moved to New York and started looking for more money-making opportunities. This hunger for showmanship came from observing a public desperate to be hoodwinked while displaying Joyce Hef. In December of 1841, he became the proprietor of the American Museum. Trips to this museum cost 25 cents, which, adjusted for inflation, is roughly $817. And people paid to see exotic animals such as tigers and more fantastical attractions such as mermaids. Or, what is this thing? Which theoretically was a wild African mixed with an orangutan. During this period, he married his first, yes, first wife, and took Jenny Wind on tour. Unlike in the movie, there was nothing romantic between them, and Jenny Wind left the tour simply because she got tired after nine consecutive months of touring. I think that's fairly reasonable. She did try to go on tour again, but without Barnum to suck up all the bad press, it it didn't go so well. And now, what you have all been waiting for. The greatest show on Earth, Barnum and Bailey's Traveling Circus. Okay. We really need to just state the facts with this one. So, as a boy, Barnum worked as a ticket seller in what may have been the first established circus in America. It was run by Hacalia Bailey. Sound familiar? This eventually evolved into the Bailey part of Barnum and Bailey's Circus. Now, the American Museum, which, if you'll remember, Barnum was the proprietor of from 1841 onward, burned down in 1865. Arson? P.T. Barnum, being who he was, he tried again and opened the museum in a nearby location. This too burned down in 1868. After two consecutive museums under his care burned down in less than five years, Barnum retired from the museum business. In 1871, he was approached by Dan Costello and William Cameron Coop to give financial power and name recognition to a circus they had been developing in Delavan, Wisconsin. A town which I have never been to or heard of before researching this episode. Now, for whatever reason, all of the circus names from this time, before they were all combined under the Ringling Bros, Barnum, and Bailey label, were all really long. So, get ready. Barnum's original one was called P.T. Barnum's Great Traveling Museum, Menagerie, Caravan, and Hippodrome. At the same time, James Anthony Bailey and James E. Cooper teamed up to make another circus, which was the primary competitor for Barnum Circus, and was called the Cooper and Bailey Circus. Not a bad name. Certainly better than that monstrosity that I just said. Now, as Bailey Circus was outperforming Barnum's, Barnum began looking into merging the circuses, and in March 1881, the two were combined. The combined name of the new circus was, take a really deep breath people, P.T. Barnum's Greatest Show on Earth and the Great London Circus, Sanger's Royal British Menagerie and the Grand International Allied Shows United. This was later shortened to Barnum and Bailey Circus. When Barnum died in 1891, Bailey purchased the circus from Barnum's widow, his second wife. Charity died in 1873, and he married Nancy Fish the year after. I could go into detail on the Ringling Bros Circus and how it all got combined into one big thing, however, this section is already about a quarter of the script, so... I'm just gonna say that the circus was bought by the Ringling Brothers in the early 1900s and enjoyed considerable success through the 1920s and ran consecutively until 2017, seven months before this movie came out, when it closed. Now, aside from running the circus, there's not too much I can say about Barnum's last 10 years that doesn't cast dispersions on his character, which... I'm not really here to do. So, yeah. He married Nancy Fish in 1874 and spent most of his final years running the circus. His final words were reportedly related to the box office numbers at the circus the night before. So, we've taken a look at Barnum's early life. We've taken a look at his early business ventures. We've taken a look at the weirdly complicated and convoluted creation of his circus, which most people think of when they hear the word Barnum. And it's time to talk about how the movie presents Barnum, and how he was in real life. Before we get into a few more subjective things, maybe, let's just go through obvious differences. So, this movie only covers about half of Barnum's life, because Hugh Jackman, who plays Barnum, was only 48 at the time the movie was made, and Barnum lived to be 80, and only ran the circus for the last 10 years of his life. Because of this, a lot of events are condensed down. It's made out to seem like Barnum ran the museum while he was planning his circus, and like the museum was only being run for a few years. As opposed to something closer to, say, 20? So, that's the easy thing. Because of the limited time period, they can't show everything in the perfect order it happened. Which I think is fine. So. Don't at me. Barnum is pictured as a very philanthropic person in the film. In real life, the extent to which he cared about his exhibits is debatable. Some of these were General Tom Thumb who in reality was only four and a distant cousin of Barnum, not the 22-year-old stranger that he is in the movie, Madame Cofilia, the bearded lady, and Chang and Eng Bunker, Siamese twins. Most, if not all, of the attractions were at the very least exaggerated, if not completely made up. The African orangutan I mentioned a while ago was an African-American man in a fursuit. Now, we've gone over Barnum. Let's just look at the rest of the movie really quickly. There were a few characters who were either omitted from the film or added for dramatic effect and an extra plot thread. The main character who was omitted would be Barnum's real-life partner in the circus, James Anthony Bailey. I think Zac Efron's character, who is... Entirely made up. It was meant to fill some of that void. And until I began researching for this episode. I had assumed that Zac Efron played the Bailey of Barnum and Bailey. The character of Anne Wheeler. Played quite well by Zendaya. Is also made up. To give Zac Efron both a storyline. And a terrifyingly choreographed, if beautifully sung, song. So, let me just be clear. I like this movie. But I think we have to be careful how we look at it. My conclusion is this there's no harm in liking this movie if you take it as a biopic, something similar to Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie. And it's a pretty good movie with an excellent soundtrack that's worth your time and maybe 10 $15, $20? You cannot rent this movie on Amazon as of recording. Just don't think of it as the accurate story of Barnum & Bailey's Circus, and certainly don't think of Hugh Jackman as a real-life accurate Barnum... Thank you for listening, really. Thank you. If you enjoyed this more scripted format with just me, then please let me know. Our email is siblingsandfandoms at gmail.com, and you can send a voice message to us from anchor.fm forward slash siblings hyphen and hyphen fandoms. Both of those, along with most of my sources, and some other stuff will be linked below. Please get in touch with me and tell me if you liked it in any of those ways. If you didn't like it, please still let me know. Um, knowing most of you, you could just come and tell me to my face you don't like it, but I'm asking you to interact with the podcast because it helps in theory. We are also on Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, and I would ask that you review us there as well as wherever you happen to listen to this show. So yeah, thank you very much for listening, and I will see you when The Man Podcast comes back on September the 10th with a discussion on film scores in movies. Bye!